It's not politically correct. It's totally incorrect. You're listening to the Totally Incorrect Podcast with David Holliday. Hello, and welcome to this new episode of Totally Incorrect, the podcast that looks at politics, religion, culture, and history. This episode is going to mainly focus on events in the Middle East, a part of the world that's been fought over for way too many years. We're not going to go back in time too far. We're going to start at the beginning of the 20th century, the last days of the Ottoman Empire, which came to an end at the end or just after the end of the First World War. We're going to quickly go through the timeline of the Holy Land in particular and Palestine even more in particular before looking at current events and some of the things that are unfolding. Before getting started though, a couple of small items related to our last conversation here on Totally Incorrect. If you listened to the last episode, you'll remember we discussed the Satanic Temple and how these folks have been given the status of a true religion which makes them tax-exempt for the IRS, a big step forward for freedom of religion, I'd say. While reading about the temple, I came across a news story that the folks there had sued Netflix, the online streaming company, for $50 million for copyright infringement. The temple claimed that Netflix had copied their Baphomet statue for one of its shows. Apparently, the case was settled out of court. I hope the temple did well and uses those funds very wisely to continue their fight against the erosion of the wall between church and state in the United States, a very important topic that I 100% support. We also discussed a bill going through the legislature here in Texas, SB 17, which is the latest of the so-called religious freedom bills in Texas that looks to allow Christians to discriminate against people that they don't approve either of their religion or of their lifestyle or both. It looks as though this has been dropped for another year at least, which is good news all around, but things are not all well. Our intrepid, bigoted Christian group is on the point of approving a bill to defund Planned Parenthood in Texas. So the Republican war against women continues. So, there's always so much to talk about and so little time, but let's get on to today's main topic on the Middle East. Let's go! Ah, the Holy Land, fought over and occupied from early times, including by the early Israelites, the Romans, the Byzantines, the Persians, the Turks, the Egyptians, the Christian Crusaders, more Turks that made up the Ottoman Empire. And starting in the beginning of the 20th century, Palestine had been part of the Ottoman Empire for 400 years. At this time, in the early 1900s, most of the population was Muslim, but there was a sizable Jewish minority, which was in fact increasing in size. There was also a very small, just a few percent of the total population, of Christians in Palestine. When the First World War started in 1914, Ottomans, whose empire was already in decline, joined the wrong side. 
They joined up with the German Axis, and it proved to be completely disastrous for them and effectively led to the end of their empire, although it would have happened anyway. The British, always very enterprising when it comes to warfare, wanted to start a front in the east to counteract the stalemate with the Germans in the west and therefore encouraged the Arab population in the Ottoman Empire to rebel. The Arabs, although they were pretty much all Muslim, as indeed were the Ottoman Turks, were not a united people by any stretch of the imagination. They were divided into different tribes and two or more different flavors of Islam, a lot of which just didn't get along too well. However, Sharif Hussein of Mecca was considered to be the closest thing to a leader the Arab people had, and he came up, came to an agreement with the British to rise up against the Ottoman Empire. Of course, he wasn't going to do this without something in return, and the British gave him a deal that after the defeat of the empire, they would set up an independent Arab homeland that would be based in Damascus and would encompass most of the Middle East as we know it today. Sadly for Hussein, and as we know only too well in modern times, treaties don't always live up to expectations, and the treaty with the Arabs was doomed from the start. In fact, even before the Arab revolt started, the British and the French signed an agreement, the Sykes-Picot Agreement, which effectively divided Syria and Palestine up between them. The Arab revolt, in the meantime, got off to a pretty slow start, but was, in the end, quite successful. It was helped by a British liaison officer, T.E. Lawrence, popularly known as Lawrence of Arabia, and you've probably read some of his books and seen the movie. He was quite a character, and with the help from Lawrence and other British liaison officers, the Arabs in fact managed to capture Damascus right at the end of the war, and were ready to set up their new country when the war finally came to an end in 1918. Of course, this didn't actually come to be. In the peace conference after the war, much to the disgust of Lawrence, who felt he'd been sold out along with the Arabs, Syria and Lebanon were handed over to France under a United Nations mandate, and Palestine was handed over to Britain under a United Nations mandate. The British mandate Palestine actually covered more territory than present-day Palestine. I'll include a link to a map of Palestine at that point in the notes to the podcast so that you can see it. But it effectively included all of what's now Jordan and some extra territory up to the northeast. Another somewhat underhand thing that was going on at the same time, um, us British are pretty good at that, I must, I must admit, was that in 1917, the British Foreign Secretary at the time, a guy called Arthur Balfour, issued a declaration that's known to this day as the Balfour Declaration that committed Britain to establishing a Jewish national home in the Palestinian territory. So, as you can expect from the Sykes-Picot Agreement and the Balfour Declaration, the Palestinians were not done any favours at all by the British or the French. What a surprise, huh? In addition, the years of the British Mandate could hardly be considered to be a success in Palestine. Although the British, by the Balfour Declaration, were committed to establishing the Jewish homeland, they actively worked to not allow too much Jewish immigration into Palestine, particularly in the 1930s, as things were getting bad for European Jews. 
and immigration into Palestine started to increase, the British military worked hard to prevent this, which led to clashes between British military and Jewish militias. All in all, not a very good situation. Added to which, there were also Arab revolts during this same period. Hardly a stable time, one would, one would say. By the time the Second World War ended, in 1945, the British mandate was completely unsustainable. It was being financed, to some extent, by the Americans, who basically said, this is enough, and the British handed it over to the United Nations to come up with a solution. In 1947, just a couple of years after the end of the war, the United Nations adopted a resolution to partition Palestine into separate Jewish and Palestinian countries. Part of this plan, which, which actually I think is quite sensible, was that the area surrounding the city of Jerusalem would be an international area controlled by the UN and wouldn't be the property of either the Israeli or the Palestinian governments. As with anything else in the Middle East, the plan was accepted by some and violently rejected by many others. A lot of Palestinian, Jewish and British people were killed in the violence that erupted in Palestine as a result of the partition plan. Indeed, in 1948, several Arab states intervened in an attempt to stop the partition and support the Palestinian Arabs. Unfortunately, due to the weakness of the Arabs at the time, this was hardly successful and the result was the Israelis ended up with even more mandate territory. The only successful Arab intervention that led to the Arabs getting any former mandate land was that now the modern country of Jordan was able to occupy what is now the West Bank of the River Jordan. Didn't last very long, unfortunately. One of the few areas of British Mandate Palestine that actually remained in Palestinian control was the small area on the coast known as Gaza, which was run by the Palestinians but was under the effective control of Egypt. Fast forward a little while to 1967 and what's known as the Six-Day War, where a number of Arab countries recklessly attacked Israel and were soundly defeated. The result of this was Israel taking control of just about all of Mandate Palestine, including the West Bank of the Jordan and the strategically important Golan Heights, which was captured from Syria. Sadly, that's Pretty much the situation today, with the West Bank being illegally occupied, the Golan Heights being illegally occupied, although Israel is looking to get their occupation recognized so that they can annex the Golan Heights, and more and more illegal Israeli settlements are being built in the West Bank area. And Gaza is very much a Palestinian ghetto where a lot of Palestinians have been forced into that area by the Israelis, and it's very difficult for them to get in and out of there. Rather sounds like the Jewish ghettos that the Germans set up during World War II, but we won't get into that right now. On the whole, it's fair to say that it's very sad that Israel has become very much the new South Africa, an apartheid state discriminating against other people in their territory that don't belong to their own religion or their own political point of view. And it also must be said that any attempt to create a solution to the Palestinian problem has been met with failure. And a large part of that is that the United States has failed to support the Palestinians in any way, despite the fact the United States signed the original partition agreement back in 1948. Successive US governments have done absolutely nothing to persuade the Israelis to move back to those agreed 
internationally agreed borders. And in fact, that's probably not going to happen. In Israel itself, there are many Israelis who would support giving back land in order for peace and economic prosperity with their Palestinian neighbors. But the Zionist faction, which is the nationalist side, nationalism, religion, never go well together in my opinion. So the Zionist faction supports taking over all of the territory that could have been claimed to have been part of Israel in ancient times. And they would never agree to giving up any of this illegally occupied territory. So basically, the Palestinians for the last hundred years or so have been royally screwed over. I did think there was an opportunity for hope when Barack Obama was voted in as president. I was hoping that he would have good links to the Muslim world. Heck, he has a Muslim name and he could work with the Palestinians and the Israeli faction to come up with a real solution. This was not the case. And for me, that was the biggest disappointment of the Obama presidency. I have a lot of respect for him in so many ways, but he really dropped the ball when it came time to the Middle East. The fact the current Trump administration has a 100% pro-Israel bias is not a surprise to me, and I'm sure not a surprise to, any, to anybody else. The current Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, is, just like Trump, a right-wing populist nationalist. In my personal opinion, the worst kind of politician that there is, and the biggest danger to world peace, and the two of them have teamed up with Saudi Arabia, one of the world's most repressive governments, to work at destabilizing any country in the Middle East that would be strong enough to stand up to the Israelis. Syria, Iraq, Lebanon, Iran, the list goes on. In the meantime, Israel receives huge amounts running into billions of dollars per year of military assistance from the United States. That's our money in, in action. I think it would be simple for any US president to bring Israel to the negotiating table with a simple message that no just deal for the Palestinians equals no more American taxpayers' money. I think that would get things moving instantly. Would anyone do that? Who knows? It hasn't happened so far. We're just giving them more of our money. And I, and I think it's fair to say that as long as Netanyahu can continue violating the United Nations mandates with impunity, building more settlements in illegally occupied land, and still be paid vast amounts of money from the United States taxpayers to do it, he'll happily continue with his apartheid policies. One of the few countries in the Middle East that actually would be strong enough to stand up to Israel is Iran. But of course, Trump, assisted by his warmongering colleague John Bolton, at this very moment is trying very hard to find an excuse to attack Iran and to destabilize yet another Middle Eastern country. It's time that people started paying attention to what's happening to the Palestinians and to make our government take some positive action. One person that is, and I'm a big fan of what he's doing, is Roger Waters from Pink Floyd, with his efforts on raising public awareness of the problems of the lack of human rights for the Palestinian people. Okay, I admit that when it comes to Pink Floyd, I'm more of a Gilmore guy than a Roger guy, but it's a fact of life that his calls for cultural and economic boycotts of Israel, which aren't as effective as I would like them to be, are probably the only pressure that's being applied to that country at the moment. So I'm a big supporter of what Roger Waters 
and other people in his organization are doing. It really is a long road, but all of us can make a difference. And most of us don't become an activist. Most of us don't support ways of changing things for people. But I think we really need to. We need to step up and make our governments do what we want, not what suits their own political agenda most of, most of the time. It would be really nice if we were to help the Palestinians and other people in Islamic countries, rather than just constantly bombing them and invading their countries. Maybe they wouldn't hate us quite as much. Is John Lennon right? Love is all we need? What do you think? So thank you for listening to the podcast today. We'll be back very soon with some other, hopefully, interesting topics. In the meantime, take care and remember, human rights is everything. <laughs> <laughs>